New York City. WVFP. <laughs> Energy and charisma. Why is that funny? It's definitely awkward. <laughs> Look at me, I'm different. Get to the point. This podcast, like the Red Room from... The opinions expressed by the guests, hosts, and callers of this show do not reflect the views of WVFP or our sponsors. WVFP. Heather versus the frog. How do you like that? I'm just going to say a bunch of crazy so shit. Are you ready? See you later. Bye. Don't ruin my hat. Later? I'm not coming back, but we have to date sometime. All right. Or call me and we'll date again. I'll see you. Yeah, cool. I'll go, I'll go home after this. Um, Heather Cameron. Right. Cameron, do you, Heather Cameron, do you want to read your Instagram into it? You're not going to go that far. I'm just asking you. Heather Cameron, At, no. Some people want their, you know, some people are here to be like, I'm, I'm somebody, I do something. I don't know. Mm, don't worry about it. I don't know. It. What you do you think? People find your ass anyway. Thank you for joining us for WVFP's production of this talk show. When the, I don't know if you guys know this, but every time the co-host changes, I like to switch it up a little. We get a new co-host there from WVFP. Uh, I get some say in it. I don't get all the say in it. This is, you know, I'm an employee as well. But when we get a new co-host, I like to switch it up a little. And today our co-host is Heather Cameron. Hi there. Thanks for coming today, Heather. I, hey, s- I skipped over your name a little. I, I did the uh, 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 Heather Cameron. <laughs> That's okay. That's Heather Cameron's joining us as co-host today. How'd you get here today, Heather? Um, VFP labor pool. Oh, they sent over over somebody else. Well, you're a real victim now, aren't you? I bet wherever (laughs) they sent you last time was a lot more professional. Maybe it was one of those uh, NPR style shows or something like that. Mm, No, there was no couch. So we do this thing here. It's like an odd couple pairing. And I know that you uh, have a higher education degree. Isn't that true? Mm -hmm. I think that's how you find yourself here today. WVFP believes that I need a counterweight. Mm. So they send me really smart people. Oh, wow. <clears throat> what happens is those really smart people get upset. <laughs> they don't know why they're on the show. They're, they say, I told you it was a smart person, and then you send me over to the crazy show. Well, I think they're kind of giving you the business a little bit. Okay, well, I was just, you know, I was just telling them I was looking for a gig. Honestly, I only come down here for the money. Okay. You know, the, the checks stop coming, the frog stops showing up. I'm sorry, are you paying me? Oh, I, I hope so. I hope you're getting paid for this. Frankly, don't look at me for this later, though. You know what I mean? Somebody's paying you. I'm sure that there's like, uh, you'll be billing somebody multiple times. That's true. That's why I'm at the labor. That's why. <laughs> that's why you're at the labor pool. That's why I'm at the labor pool. Do you ever um, work in the freelance arts? Mm, so you, so you mm-hmm. know all about the old billing. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I am a freelance artist, and I do have to invoice. Um, I have to tell you, I made a mistake and left my phone on, and now exactly what's happening is that people are messaging me, and uh, that'll be on the radio show. It'll be yet one more thing that people suggest I should cut out of the show, but uh, I'm trying to do the show uncut, mostly. Maybe I should check my phone. (laughs) If your phone's (laughs) not off, you should take a moment. Don't worry. I'll keep talking. You never have to worry. Like people, You uh, you could go use the restroom, and no one will know because I'm still (laughs) blathering nonsense on the radio. I'm going to put my phone on. Do not disturb. Yeah. But I do. I always need to watch what's happening. Um, apparently, I am the anchor of this show. Everybody's relying on me. Um, before, I think um, everybody's tuned in for the guest today. Mm, they're, yeah. they're waiting patiently Probably for me to do for the guest. me. Not for me. You know, you'd be surprised. <laughs> I'm so funny. And yet, 
people tune in for the guests most of the time. Mm. Isn't that weird? Yeah. That's uh, do, what, uh, why do I need a guest? Just come on down, baby. Uh, I don't know why we just can't be in Heather. Heather versus the frog. We just sit <laughs> here all day and <laughs> nonsense it up. That sounds fun to me. I mean, I could be your guest. You could, as long as they're paying you. Oh, true. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't want to be doing this for I free. Don't, I don't think. But as we're, we're go I'm about to announce the guest here. I just want to tell everybody listening to this, um, if you're checking out this Riley Davidson episode, you also need to be checking out our Andy Ralph episode, our Roman D'Ambrosio episode, Kat Chamberlain, Caroline Falby, Liv Van Quicken, um, Catherine from The Label, New York City. That's an amazing thing, burning up society. She's, she was here. We had a lot of people here. We got the, uh, later on, you should look out for the blowout episode, Julie versus Adam. I run for cover. The police come. That's an episode that was going to come out later. It's so controversial. It's probably going to get this thrown up. Do you know, you don't know anything about this, do you? Nope. I know nothing. You don't want to know. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, run, I run for cover while, and, and Adam just burns the studio down. We've got uh, Sierra Armour, the um, author. Amazing. Yeah, there's some crazy stuff going on there. She was an, she was an excellent guest. That's awesome. I yeah, can't she, wait to hear it. You know, some people come here. They can't wait to leave right away. <laughs> she, was, she was she was burning the place down as well. I think everybody should check out those episodes, WVFP. And now you're listening. You got a new co-host today. There might be a new co-host next time. But uh, if the checks keep rolling, who knows, Heather? We'll, we'll, keep, call, we'll keep emailing you. Hey, yeah. You've I'm been like here for two minutes, and I'm like, hey. Email that girl again. Hey, thanks. Why not, right? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not doing anything to you like I do it with other people and make you promise me stuff on the radio. Mm. Like, I, like some, what kind of promises? Well, sometimes I keep, I keep all of my personal considerations until the mic comes on. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, yo, bro, uh, want to come back tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. And then, pe and then people are like, why would you do that to me right on the radio? Mm -hmm. I don't give a crap. Okay. If I yeah, come back? I'm just... I appreciate that. Yeah, no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what I meant. Of course, we'd love to have you back. We got a revolving um, co-host here. A revolving, door but one, one you know, the uh, they want to make sure it's a smarty pants. But you mm. know what I want to make sure? No. I want the co-host to always be real people. Mm. You know what I mean by that? Yeah. No. Real mother effers, right? You know, I. I don't know what you mean. Well, some of the guests, that, you know, they're, they're celebrities. Sometimes mm. you live in a celebrity world. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're from California. Oh. So you're not famous, but you just act that way. Right. I don't need, I don't need that. I, what I need is uh, I mean, real people. Like people live in New York. Yeah. They've got real attitudes. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike How me. Long, Unlike me, who is a construction, a fictitious uh, construction. How long do you think someone has to live in New York to be... Like, you know, a person that lives in New York. Well, I think by that question, you probably haven't been here long enough, right? No, I'm just asking you what your opinion is. No, I mean, you don't you don't feel like you've been here long enough. No, I think Or you would have been like, have. it's at seven years or something. No, no, I mean, I have my own opinion. I'm okay, asking you're asking me. You. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I never felt like I really... I tr first of all, when I moved here, I tried hard to, like know the place mm -hmm. I'm, i kept meeting people who had been here for several years but they'd never they didn't really know much about new york right. maybe they just knew about where they lived and they knew about where they worked mm -hmm. which is okay right but i wanted to be the i wanted to be in the new york thing yeah so i purposely put myself out there mm, that's good and and uh i think i thought i thought maybe i had been here long enough to earn a little bit of street cred 10 percent, 10 percent fm nathan gene 
when the first New Yorker said to me, oh, man, that's, that's cool. You seem to know a lot. Nice. All right. So it's more of a quality over quantity situation. It's a positive feedback from the natives. I got it. The natives started to say to me, you're all right. You're cool. You can stay. You're okay. <laughs> One of my friends we in another episode. We don't immediately want you to go. Another friend of, a friend of mine in another episode, Big Ruben shout out. Um, he told me that maybe I might have even got my Manhattan card. Oh, Manhattan card. Yeah. Nice. But I don't, I don't want to show that card to anybody else unless he's around. I still feel like I need a uh, student driver on that one. <laughs> I still need somebody. I got you your Manhattan card. I don't know. I think it's just time. I think somebody looked at me and they said, you're old now. I, I when you moved here, yeah. you were yet a young man. Once you sa- start seeing, you know. once you're like, once people start being like, "What do you? How do you like your neighborhood?" And you'd be like, "Well, ten years ago, it was a lot different." Right. And then you feel like, "Yes." Well, I think I've lived here. That was the sentence when I left Bushwick. Mm, yeah. When I was telling somebody else that you were like back in the day. It was. It was a. You know, believe it or not, I was a Gen Z person uh-huh. who uh, does does talk to me sometimes. We're kind of friends. I don't. <laughs> there's a little bit of an age gap friendship going on there. And, uh, or do you think there's somebody out there? Somebody peeked in. Will you do me a favor? Mm-hmm. Will you go over there and invite this person in? Yeah, I will. Maybe allegedly, I don't know for sure. Allegedly, from the Curation School of America, oh. trained in media manipulation. Probably, I don't know. Our guest here today may or may not be extraterrestrial. I'm not trying to say that to you, but at this moment, I would like to invite our guest, Riley Davidson. Don't let me clap alone, everybody. Don't let me clap alone. Thank you, Heather. (laughs) Thank you, Heather. You're sitting right here, Riley, across from me, and I hope that your microphone's on. What if it's not? What if her microphone's not on? How do we get that nice... Well, the young man that was in here before... um, well, he's gone, <laughs> but I think you should talk into it, okay. even if we don't know if it's on or not. Yes. Maybe you could. You know what? You're smart, and you have a higher education degree, which I don't. Great. Riley, thank you for being on my game show today. Oh, my God, of course. I was scared when I walked in because I thought I'd I'm sorry I'd I didn't stand up. up to greet you. No, it's okay. You guys are busy. Somebody had to stay. Heather went. Okay, great. So somebody had to stay. Okay, all good. Do you care that this is not the co-host that you were talking to before? No. Well, we're shuffling around co-hosts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's okay. I mean, uh, I'm still here. I mean, I, you know. Uh, you're still here. Yeah. That's what matters. I sort of walked in with no, expi- I don't even know what's going on, really. Well, usually I stand up. Do we, do we have Riley's uh, mic on at all? Absolutely. That's all I care about. Yeah, I'm working. You know what? Okay. Honestly, I would like you to just continue, you know, doing your professional thing. I just wanted to make sure, because people tune into this show for Riley, not me, <laughs> not my endless d- nonsense. They want to hear the guests, not me. Oh, my God. I've never been in, like, a proper podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's really crazy. Riley, um, we've never met before. I know. We have texted a lot. Yeah. We've DM'd, I'm saying. Yeah. And uh, this kind of was a long road. We're yeah. scheduling. We're unscheduling. Uh, my life's totally crazy. You're yeah. a very busy person. Yeah. And we finally made it in here. Yes, totally. The last time I was sick. I, I cut, were you? No, you're fine. You're never sick. Oh. One, one <laughs> of the um, things I would have done if we knew each other, mm-hmm. if we had met previously, maybe shared a drink. Yeah. Just even, even just met somewhere. Right. Before you came in, I would have had these lights shut off. Okay. So that it was darker in here. 
But you know, when you meet new people, yeah, and you're wearing a giant ridiculous hat, yeah, they don't necessarily want to meet you in the dark, right? You know, that's a weird thing. Yeah. But I think we might we might get the next guest with the darkness. Okay, great. You because know, now now there's two people who are used to the show, hmm. and so now if the the fourth person feels uncomfortable, it, it doesn't matter. And so this is your first. Oh, she's she's a co-host for today. Okay, great. She she might not ever come back. I don't know what's gonna. Happen. I was just sent by WF. P, but WVPF. <laughs> she doesn't have to get the call sign right because she's a she's an overhire worker. Great. Nobody cares. You get the check and you don't care. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean. That's how I feel about life. Riley, thanks for coming today. Thanks. For I gave coming. you a pretty crazy introduction because to me, you are a mysterious figure out there. <laughs> it always seems like you're kind of everywhere, yeah. and uh, but I never see you. Yeah. I move fast. Are you? You don't have somebody else running that Instagram, do you? Like a third person? No, I Two wish. Two people, three. I wish. Do you ever sleep? Barely. Yeah, Not I, these days. I bet you have so much going on. Yeah. You've had recent curation shows at Shoot the Lobster. Yeah. Lubov, and what am I missing currently? Um. Well. Something in the future, maybe. I'm about to go to LA on Wednesday for a show that opens October eighth. You're going to Los Angeles. Yes. Yeah. How do you think I feel about that? I don't know. Well, we're not going to tell you because we want everybody in Los Angeles to listen to the show. People in Los Angeles, come on the pod when you visit New York City. But uh, it will be New York. It will not be Los Angeles. Yeah. I mean, I love New York. I think uh, it's the better city of the two. Don't follow me into trashing L.A. Don't do not do it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not going right to trash L.A. But Don't I'm do it. L.A. is wonderful. Come on the pod. Yeah. 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 Uh, co-signed. Um, it's great to visit. I like. I have a lot of friends there. It's a beautiful place. Um, one of the things I enjoy is uh, sitting in a relaxed state and looking at Los Angeles. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. It's a really cool place. It's not always. I'm not always in an aesthetic pleasing place when I'm in Manhattan. No. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of trash. Sometimes I'm moving through. And, you know, I'm sure Los Angeles has its troubles, but I don't go to those places when I visit. Right. I try to get in a Hollywood Hills scene. Mm-hmm. I try to, I look posh. Maybe I get my eyebrows done. There we go. That's what, that's what I do in Los Angeles. I do a little primping out there. Where are you from scary. originally? I'm from South Florida. South Florida. Yeah, so it's actually illegal okay. for me to get my eyebrows done. Mm-hmm. If I were to do something like <sighs> that and then go home to the homies. Yeah. And I would say, uh, hey, let's go hang out. Uh, let's go hang out in the old Miami with my sculpted eyebrows. Right, right. I'd leave me in an abandoned car mm-hmm. probably. Right, I'm right. I'd get in a lot of trouble. But so just in Los Angeles, I would only do that. I get it. It's, Riley, where are you from? I'm right outside of Seattle. Oh. Technically, first five years spent in Seattle, and then okay. my parents moved over to Kirkland, Washington. All right. You're on a different coast. Yeah. You're on the L.A. coast, but you're batting for New York. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Your resume, it's got a lot of New York stuff on it, though. Yeah. You spend most of your time out here. Yeah. Okay. I've, prefer to be here you live here i will i do live yeah yeah no no no. she does live here but you know some people are so bi-coastal yeah whenever they talk to me about los angeles and then i have to check in because some people are 50 50 some people are 40 40 20 percent europe yeah Mm -hmm. you know i'm all new york and sometimes a pool in atlantic city (laughs) or if i can get if i can get down to miami I, i pretend atlantic city might be my miami it's a yeah i go to the one working pool there and I pretend that it's beautiful. Do you go to pools in New York? Mm, I <coughs> <laughs> New York pools, I'm sure, are fine. Right. 
I'm sure it's all very fine and safe. And I would never say anything else. Hey, we're not getting political. But some, no, I don't mean politically. I mean health, <laughs> safety, welfare. Sometimes, I'm going to tell you that I love New York City pools. Okay, fine. Let me hit you with it. <laughs> I think the, the thing because of the amount of people that are here, the chlorine levels often have to be very high. You don't not want that. It's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sometimes uh, the amount of people that use a service in New York flatten it out for me. And right. I'm just like, that's it. I'm going home to use the bathroom. Right. <laughs> Sometimes I don't. I fill my tub. I swim in there. Yeah. There we go. I'm oh. just kidding. I don't have a tub. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't live in Greenpoint and I'm not rich, so I don't have a tub. Um, I want to talk about some of more what you did last year, mm-hmm. 2021. Yeah. This is a big year for you. Yeah. Um, you did the Hinge House. Right, and that's Dark Zone? Dark Zone, yeah. 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 And I'm not sure if it's Philip Hinge? Yeah, I think it's Hinga. I've heard Hinga. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hinga. I pronounced it wrong again, everybody. One of the running jokes on this show is I've never been outside. I've never said names to other people before. Fantastic. You're really going to help me. We're going to go through one of your shows. I'm going to try to pronounce <laughs> like 12 people's names. Okay. It's going to be really fun. Philip Hinga, if you're out there, I'm sorry for mispronouncing your name. Come on the pod. Very, I apologize ex- extremely. Is they, are they still doing shows there? Or that's shut down now. It's being sort of um, brought back to life. His his parents just moved out of that house into a new one. And okay. So that's in a basement in his parents' house in New Jersey. That's right. So that is being sort of replaced by a new iteration of... 2021 is this weird post-COVID year of reshuffling, in my opinion. Yeah. There's so weird stuff going on. We're so uh, close to the COVID years people still talk about them a lot but i think last year was a new weird kind of reshuffling phase well well first of all that show 2020 that what happened oh, that was 2020 yeah i'm sorry like a couple months into i want to say it was april 2020 did you did did we were we doing shows in new jersey because of the restrictions is no. there something attached it was just planned that way no i mean that's the thing that was interesting about the show is that he had already had a history of doing shows in this way and right. I think when we staged that show, it was, I think there were whispers about the pandemic. Okay. And it was already meant to be a virtual show. Right. Which I was more interested in then than I am now. That's what I thought, yeah. I think there was a wave of virtual interest. That yeah. W- oddly enough, happened right before the pandemic. And then the pandemic hit us all with Zoom. Yeah. And then maybe some of us got burned out a little bit. Yeah. And I think, too, the way that it has affected it's got lasting effects on just the way that showing and selling art works now. Like people are much more uh, willing to look at a PDF and say that I'll have that one instead of going to the shows. And that's amazing to mm. me. Yeah. It's kind that, of incredible that people w- would do that. It's wretched. It's um, perverted. Well, no, I mean, it is, it is what it is. Sometimes, sometimes as an older person, the uh, future makes you think, Oh God, I'm going back inside. But it, it, it is kind of the future is what it is. Although auctions, Mm-hmm. Have always been popular, even call-in often, mm-hmm. because people want to see it. Right. And so, yeah, it does surprise me that people might buy art without physically. I always want to touch everything. Yeah. <laughs> you can't touch that, man. Actually, somebody came into the gallery yesterday and started touching all the canvases. Yeah. I'm, and then... <laughs> I have a little more decorum, but right. I'm going to urge a lot. Right. He, you know? he was definitely... Uh, he then went to the back and sort of cornered our uh, gallery manager. And so he's yeah. been probably banned and but they were like you know what um sir can you open your wallet uh, you might owe us some money or you might not i don't know <laughs> i don't know what his situation was it wasn't good 
You uh, tell me if this was last year. You did a show at what is below Grand now, but it was called Super Duchess. Super Duchess. Yeah. Before. Is that the same owner, or have we just yes, switched? same, same? And I I picked the new name. I <laughs> because they were kind of throwing out. Yeah. It's actually I just realized I've done this twice now. Yeah. With um, you're standing around just being like, I have a good idea. Yeah, if well, you guys want to listen to me, I like the name to be n- like, you know, it's funny because now I'm partner at Shoot the Lobster, which is yeah. not a normal standard name. I, I want to tell um, our view. So a lot of our listeners they love art and yeah. love New York City, but they're right. probably not here. Yeah. So we just want to tell everybody. Now we're talking about a gallery called Shoot the Lobster. I'm it's, jumping around. No, I'm no, totally. no. That's okay. I I like to just be a little New Yorky. Okay. And I want to tell everybody if you, I, I believe their address is Eldridge. It's 138 Eldridge. <laughs> you. Um, <laughs> this girl. Um, well, I was about to describe where, now you can just look it up if you're at home. You right, know, perfect. Now you're just Googling it, whatever. I was going to tell you that if you're, you're a, a tourist, maybe you're in England or who knows where you're at, and uh, you've been to New York City before, though, shoot the lobsters about three blocks south of Cat's Delicatessen and then three blocks west. <laughs> that's about right that's similar right is cats yeah yeah is cats <laughs> on houston <laughs> what i like to yeah, do i like to do that new yorky thing sometimes because there's these things around new york that i don't know anything about mm-hmm. but tourists love yeah and cats delicatessen is one of those things totally they fucking love that place yeah even the gallery people who come even even the theater people coming to new york to see a show they might go down there and have a sandwich and cats delicatessen i'm not making fun of you Come on the pod. Um, but, um, oh, wow, tourists really do love that place. And so sometimes I like to use tourist places to try to explain to people, you know, where stuff is. Yeah. Even though in my life, I don't need a $30 Reuben sandwich. Have you had it before? It's delicious. Okay, I've never I, had I, one. <laughs> so Did you have it? No, I've never had one. That's usually the question so of people who have had it. No, usually no, I, I say that and they say, have you ever had it? I say, yes, it's delicious. I'm curious. I really want to try it. It's fucking good. Yeah. Really you good. know what makes <laughs> cats special? Here I am now. God damn it. I'm doing the cats thing. <laughs> what makes cats special is that all the places like that are gone. Yeah. That's really what it is. If you go out, I don't know how much time you spend in Brooklyn and Queens. I'm sure you've mapped. I used to live there. I lived there for the first four years I was here. Yeah. You mapped the yeah. whole place. You know the whole place. Yeah. But uh, if you go out there to Queens or even Ridgewood, I'm mm-hmm. thinking of a special little butcher. It's on Bleecker and Underdark. No. Well, it's close to that. Mm-hmm. And um, they have a really awesome old school butcher out there. Mm-hmm. You can find that stuff out there still. But in Manhattan, a lot of it's gone. Right. The well, deli stuff. There are a few here. I mean, even Second Avenue Deli has that history, but they moved from their original location. Right. And now there's a second one. Right. Oh, well, you'll know it's gone too far when old cats is somewhere else. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And they, they'll be telling other people where Shoot the Lobster is so we can find them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're going to be in that mall at the World Trade Center or something. <laughs> right. At the <laughs> Oculus. At the Oculus. That's where I go to harass the Hugo Boss people. Amazing. <laughs> it's not a joke. <laughs> Nobody needs to laugh so much. I go in there all the time. There's a guy in there. I won't say his name yet. He's really nice to me. I've been going to the Hugo Boss over here. Uh, it's close to the Prince stop. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're also very nice to me. You go into I buy their Hugo blank Boss? black okay. shirts. All right. I don't know what you know about these designer stores. They don't keep their blanks out, right? Uh, no, Nobody wants to buy a a, a blank black Hugo Boss shirt. So when you ask them, they got to go in the back. They got to open the drawers, find a blank black shirt. And then I like to buy them all. 
Okay. They don't usually have very many, so it makes me feel like rich or something. I like the description of it being blank versus plain. Yeah. I like that. It's like it's waiting. It, re- it um well, it reveals me as one of those jerks that might wear one of those jersey graphic tees. I'm like uh, I it's might just do that. waiting for it. So like I think it's blank print. because there's not like right. bright pink splashed across it. Mm-hmm. It's an <laughs> about me too much now. <laughs> I like I'm a, I'm into graphic tees. I love them. I think they're cool. Um <laughs> Thank you, Cobra Starship, and every other shitty New Jersey band that got me hooked on graphic tees when I was a young man. And now I have a mental problem. Thanks a lot, all of you. Is that a direct one-to-one? Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of emo stuff back there. I was, uh, you know, was doing the emo thing, and that's where the tees come from. Mm-hmm. I never... Well, grown up, and now they're blank. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know, I'm not a logo guy, and I can't be a band shirt guy my whole life or right. something. Now I do that weird thing. Where, that's it. Screw it. It's about me. I do that. <laughs> I do that weird thing now when I travel. I'll buy the memorabilia tee, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and I wear those. So I have blank tees, and then tees from a place that I've never go back to, and probably didn't enjoy that much. Okay. This travel tee. Excuse me. Can you give one example? Well, not of a place I don't like. Oh. I don't want to put anybody on blast, but the audience knows I hate everything. Los Angeles tea. <laughs> yeah, I went, to, <laughs> I went to Los Angeles and I bought a tea and it says, <laughs> forget it. I had a terrible idea. <laughs> I, uh, I often save really violent things in a casual way. Cool. And I've been checking myself because of um, the internet and the way you know, just web-based information works now. Mm-hmm. But I casually like to say crazy things. For example, I was in the East Village the other night and my table did not come on time after waiting for a while. Mm-hmm. And I was on the sidewalk saying that I wouldn't mind bombing the East Village. That's pretty And bad. everybody with me was like, would you stop saying just like casually violent things? And I started asking, what if I had a t-shirt that said, bomb the East Village? And everyone was like, well... I don't we know how many establishments you'd get into. We wouldn't be your friend anymore. Right. You wore that shirt. <laughs> or like I was in I was in New Mexico this summer and I had a hotel room full of questionable um, prescription drugs. And I was on the balcony and I was texting my friends that I was having such a good time that I was thinking about jumping off the balcony. And I and but I actually checked myself. That I thought if I send this text and the police see it, they're gonna come into this room. They're gonna want to know who these people are. You know, inventory, whatever is in here. Oh my God. And I actually backspaced the text message. It wasn't even on a social media. Isn't that weird? You have, are you paranoid? There's the story. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'll be, I'm telling you lately, I'm thinking about it. I don't yeah. know why. Are we, somebody watch? But I say a lot of things like that. Right. Riley, let's stop talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you about a show you did at Real Pain. Okay. That has also, um, Changed names, but it's the same owner. It's Harkowick. Yeah, I told him to change the name to Harkowick. <laughs> yeah. They owned it before. Yeah. Right? Well, okay. Let me back. Tell me the story there. Yeah. So below Grand, formerly Super Duchess, everybody wanted to change the name. I just offered up some ideas that were, I guess, location specific. No, I it's prefer, a good name. It's a good name. Yeah, I prefer that or a name. I prefer like a last name or something, um, or okay. first and last. And but that's what and that's what you suggested for real pain then. 
real pain. I was like, why don't we just go with your name? Keep it normal. I also was tired of the jokes. I was yeah. like, this is how You've come on the wrong show, Riley. <laughs> okay, perfect. No, no, but when you're talking about... I know, I know what you mean. You mean gallery name jokes. Yeah, this is my job. Yeah, I yeah. clock in, I clock out. Well, yeah. when you work in galleries, you don't really clock in or clock out. Um, <laughs> but this is the thing that I'm attached to and I spend most of my time doing. Yeah, man. And... The jokes at the expense of the name, I was was exhausting. So okay, it's really in the zeitgeist to do these like pithy names for everything. It is. Yeah. At first, I thought it was just for my um, social media handle. Uh. Like like six years ago, it was just funny jokes in my social media handle. Yeah. And now everything's a funny joke. This whole stupid show is a funny joke. You know what I mean? Fascinating. Like that, everything. Everybody's just like, uh, you know, irony's the rule of the day. All of that stuff. But you're, but you're walking it back. You're like, no, yeah, this she is, is serious. Enough. Well, it's about graduating, I think, to an extent. Like, starting off as a uh, as this project space and then becoming a gallery that's representing artists in a serious way. I think you kind of have to change it up. I don't yeah. know that I... I mean, there are galleries, like... Some of my favorite galleries do have names. I mean, even Karma International, I think it's a sort of mix-up of the names of um, the two women who run that that gallery but for the most part my favorite galleries have been named even Rena Spallings is like it's a name that's sort of made up but it still has that you presence know, it's about branding and you know what you want people to remember it and all that stuff but also people are showing work that they <laughs> worked very hard on right you know and that's the part where I don't want too much silliness exactly I'll give you an example you're a famous person and when you came in here today we're just kind of joking and we're having fun. But if somebody comes in here, Riley, and they just moved to New York, they have one piece of work they've shown in one gallery. We try to, you know, we try to talk to them seriously about that. Nobody wants to go to a place, especially when you're starting out. And it's all some kind of fun joke. They want to be taken seriously, but also they want a serious place to show something serious. I think it depends on the joke. There, there are spaces that have existed and I think things that, yields a different approach okay. and i do think that there are cases in which it makes sense depending on like the other artists showing even if it's a gallery that you don't love if there are other artists in a group show totally that you're moved by or that you're aligned with i think this is a curator kind of pushback thing where you're like listen i can hack the space Totally. I do the show, I do the people, and it doesn't matter what the fuck else is going on. That's how I feel yeah. to a large extent. I mean, that's a cure. That's a uh, you know, a, a internal motivator of the curator. Like, yo, I'm here to conquer whatever was wonky and make everything cool. I mean, yeah. totally. It's also about what do I have access to, you know, and what who's gonna lend me a space to do this, and who has right the the means to stage a show that I'm excited by so right. those are the considerations there um so you did you did a show at real pain gallery 2021 it was the frog show mm -hmm. how do you think i feel about that i very you much hate everything it. i very much <laughs> enjoyed it i love this show. okay great why do i feel like i wanted to preface this with something else what was it i don't know who cares I like the frog show. That's all I really want to talk about sometimes. Yeah. Oh, no, I know what I wanted to say before this. I think it, it's important. Um, how soon were you in the galleries after the COVID restriction lifted and there was still there was still social distancing and masks, but you were allowed to go in there? How, how soon were you back? I was at my parents' house in Kirkland from March to 
late June. I'm trying to pin down when this frog show happened at Real Pain. Right. How far was that from when we were just allowed to go back? The reason I don't know is because I was still in my house. Mm-hmm. The thing started opening, but I wasn't going out there. I was in my house. I'm still in my house. Still live in the dark. I think pretty much as soon as I got back to the city. Okay. I don't know what the shakeout was in terms of when things reopened, but I okay. remember. You weren't here right when it reopened. I don't. But you. Yeah. No, I, I must not have been because I think I, I got back sort of the tail end of the protests that were happening. Mm-hmm. And I think that was kind of what spurred a reopening as well. Okay. Right? I, I'm so well, foggy. Here's, well, here's what I'm leading to. I wasn't really trying to get you to hammer down the history there. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, we're talking about it, but I, that's not my point. My point is that I was not here. I ran away to Florida immediately. Right. I split town immediately. And um, I feel like... Can I take a water? Oh, please. Those are for you. You can have all those waters. And um, I feel like definitely you were back before I was. And the point I want to make here on that is that Spiral Staircase 1, your Instagram account, kind of became my view of what was happening. That's interesting to hear. Yeah. yeah. And I, I knew about you before that, but it became a thing where I was like, you use your Instagram really well. You Can I ask you this? Um, do you enter this whole world from a writing discipline? Is writing your original discipline and now you have all these other ones, but do you enter it that way? I don't... I feel like... Sort of. I do a lot of writing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, whether it's the original one or not, I know that you do a lot of writing and you do have a writing background, but your Instagram, your the way you present the gallery sometimes is without narration. You sometimes you're just showing us the painting, you're showing us where it where it's at. Yeah. And who did it. And I love that. Yeah. I love that, especially during that time period. I could say. Let's go see. Let's go to Riley's Instagram and see what the hell I'm missing out there. Yeah. You know, and that was. I don't know. I think I bet a lot of people felt that way. That like, oh, thanks for sh- thanks for going out there and looking because I'm not going out there. I mean, um, two things. One, I always put name and location just because it's yeah. easier for me instead of being like, who is this? Who is so you're using it almost like a notebook as well. Like yeah, you want to remember where it's at. Yeah, and, well, and to to limit DMs for the most part, and and <laughs> also it is a, a sort of a catalog of what I've seen, and I don't love putting value judgments on works because so often when I see a show, you know, the initial feeling sometimes stays, sometimes it changes. So yeah. even doing a podcast is hard because my I change my mind all the time. Oh yeah, trust me. I listen to the first ones of these podcasts and I'm like, hit uh, hit a race on that stuff. Amazing. We're going to show people anyway though. We're going to show them all the heartbreak. Mm-hmm. We're going to show them everything. Yeah. But one of the, th- you know, I just want to say, uh, one of the things I appreciate there is that um, you obviously have the gift of narration and the gift of writing mm-hmm. and, you vi- and Instagram's obviously a very casual thing. You could fill this Instagram with what you think of everything. And there's a lot of people who do that. Yeah. I'm often I'm often looking for the paintings and skipping people's yeah. comments. And uh, you don't, you know, I just, it would be easy for you to narrate and you don't. Well, I also don't want to be online that much. Like I think going through uh, messages or we comments. We are totally opposite. <laughs> well. <laughs> I'm living there. But I'm glad you check in sometimes. Yeah, I mean, of course, I see a lot of things, but I rarely read captions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so I qu- sort of visual... put out when I get in. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like I'm not on Twitter for a reason. I was 100%. at one point. Oh, where were you? But then. I had a stint over there as well. 
it felt to reveal like even writing and putting writing out in the world feels like I'm revealing the way my brain's working, but it's nice that it's not like prose or, you um, know. I almost went totally insane on Twitter. That makes sense to me. It was probably like 2015, 2016. people, you know, can lose their minds on Twitter. I got, I got really into what is now called schizo posting, which at the time, I'm not sure we said that. But that's what I was doing. You were I was doing it. I was doing you that. This is kind of schizopodding. I'm breaking the schizopodding genre, and then I expect a younger person to just take it, and make it all crazy. <laughs> I expect that's what I expect. I'm not going deep into the schizopodding, but I'm inventing it now. Did you hear me, everybody? Don't use that phrase, or I'll sue you. Um, Sorry, what the hell was that? Okay. Sp spiral staircase. Very much love it. You're not on the internet. That's where I was born. Oh, I'm on. Okay. That's not true. I'm <laughs> definitely on the internet. But I think if I was. Don't. Don't go there. <laughs> you know, it is a tool. Yeah. Uh, if right. I were to use it more consistently and was engaging. We love you the way you are, Riley. Don't. Great. Don't go back there. <laughs> don't, don't go back there and do it. Yeah, you're a beautiful writer. But I feel like Instagram is. Uh, you're curating, right? Like that too. Yeah. I mean, also, I I think I sometimes post work I don't love, and I sometimes post work that I do love. And when I'm posting on my stories, especially, it's just everything I'm seeing 100%. with no like you don't know. And you know, if I had never, if I was interested in New York but I didn't live here, I would love your Instagram as well, just because you know you're covering so much space. Yeah, you know what I mean. With the hopes that people that do have access go see the shows. Right. I've, you know, I don't know. Do you go I to shows? Do you go to a lot of shows? Yeah, I do. Okay. I don't wear this hat, though, so you'll never see me. Great. It's a well, costume. I've, part of the reason I came on this podcast was to just figure out who you are. Well, now you're disappointed. Yeah. So no. It's just like the young lady. <laughs> now I have a soundbite of Riley saying, yeah. No, no, no. This hat is... Um, just put that. You're lucky the intro is already made. The hat <laughs> the right made me intro. close the door and almost leave. <laughs> This is a this is a cowboy the hat, hat the for stupid those hat. at home. <laughs> it, the stupid you, hat is not going to last forever. Is it a defense mechanism? No, I brought it's like hiding. It's a tourist item. Everybody. Needs. Okay. Listen, I have a big enough internal personality. I don't <laughs> need the uh, props. But I was out in New Mexico all summer, and I just got jealous of everybody. Right. So I bought it on my way out because I was scared. You know, I, I didn't want the social pressure of people who live with these hats to see somebody, a foreigner with this hat. Right. It felt stupid. So I bought it on my way out. Yeah. And then I wore it other places. I went to my first rodeo this summer. And really? That's made, so fun. It made me really want a hat, too. A yeah. cowboy hat. Yeah. It's not any hat. It's a cowboy hat. It's true. It's a Western-style work West, hat. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I felt too People much People like in I New York don't appreciate the hat, Heather. I like it. Um, I've gotten a lot of, it, you know, basically every day. I've said this before. I won't keep saying it. But I go outside every day and working people think it's hilarious any any dude on a job out there in my neighborhood uh, they like, see me oh. and they yell across the street cowboy they just they won't leave me alone it's a new york That's city cool. thing <laughs> yeah i know you know it's like um if we were in los angeles people would hate my hat but never say anything and then when we locked eyes they would say cool hat <laughs> right but in new york people just tell you hey it's a ridiculous hat i had a guy i don't i'm in a bodega that i've never been in before there's no way this guy's ever seen me before and he says to me uh what's up man i said what's up let me get this stuff and he said uh so what's up you getting sick of this hat or what <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> just some Queens guy. I was like, yeah, kind of, a little bit, man. He was like, yeah. How's the suntan around the hat Stupid. Line? I look yeah. stupid. Little things ridiculous. So you're wearing this every day? No. Just I'm wearing the hat every day. I think the only way to get me to stop wearing the hat is for me to wear it until it's gross. I keep dropping it on Grand Street mm. and, you know, skateboarder kids knock it off my head and, oh, uh, you know, the crazy things happen. Eventually, it, I would say if this makes it to Halloween, mm -hmm. I'd be pretty impressed. If it makes it to Halloween, now it's part of the costume and then it has to go. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it'll make that far because I've been doing a lot of day drinking in this hat. <laughs> Nothing survives day drinking forever. No, That's my New opinion. York City. Yeah. Wait, can I ask Riley another question about yes. the social media? Yeah. I'm so curious about, and I'm sorry I don't know this, but do you use TikTok, Riley? Um, I watch videos uh -huh. sometimes. I find that sometimes, wow, there he goes. Um, yes, he is gone. He's Perfect. Gone. So it's not okay. <laughs> just no, it's the two just of us. Just you and I. Um, <laughs> you can say what you was really thinking. No. Go I've ahead. I've tried. I've made videos in the past and then deleted accounts. But uh -huh. I watch and right. do a bit of a scroll, but only like right before bed because it like lulls me to sleep. I gotcha. You okay. know. But I also I think it's caused a lot of sadness being on TikTok because I see a lot of people that are just like complaining about austere circumstances yeah has it i mean i feel like that though is present in every kind of social media there's like a way to use it really well like you use your instagram and then there's a lot of sadness causing yeah you know but yeah um, i think twitter's the worst that's why i like really yeah. disengaged because there's this also like a language that i think people use that is specifically like twitter speak right and it like i found myself thinking in it a bit and then thinking in order to yield a tweet or something or also just like the infighting and the subtweeting is like really embarrassing to me right i never got into that but do you ever see yourself do you ever catch yourself like when you're seeing something in the world you're composing the post as you're looking at it and you're like oh my god what am i doing like this is gross or you're like oh this is good this is my job and i need to like put these things on instagram well but I guess if you're not writing a lot, then that's good. I write a lot. I mean, you're writing a ton, but in the Instagrams, I mean. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because that's not a, a part of the Instagram. I, also, I don't really think of myself as a critic, and I'm not really a critic. That's I'm not a critic at all. I'm, right. I'm really not a critic. That's so true. my writing is more to do with like working directly with artists. Is there theory in there, though? I, yeah. I mean, I've read. There's a little theory in there. Yeah. But it also is, I'm very romantic about art and, and my place in it. Um, and I think that has been sort of an umbrella around a lot of the stuff that I've written is an honest sort of look at what I'm looking at. And, and I, my mom is my editor, so I want things to be That's wonderful. legible and I want yeah, them to be readable. Yeah, it's really clear. It really comes through. I feel like... Uh, yeah, your writing is very, just, it's very legible. It's very clear. Thank it's you. So much I, I think it's really personal. And I want to tell you something because you're going to hear it in another podcast when this comes out in a couple of days. Okay. I talked about you in another podcast. I asked somebody else, 
who you wrote, I think, a statement for or you wrote something for them. Uh-huh. I asked them how long you guys had been friends. Yeah. And he wanted to make sure, well, you know, I've, I've met her. I know her. But uh, I just I find all that stuff so personal that I had to make the connection that you must be friends with these people. <laughs> yeah. That's how personal it felt. Well, yeah. and sometimes you are, I'm sure. But obviously not every every writing you do is a personal, you know, personal thing. But I um, I just got a warm feeling from the idea that, you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't know why I thought that. That's nice. The internet makes weird connections sometimes. Where of course. you see people's names next to other names. Oh, Riley wrote the thing, and in my mind, you guys are all friends. Mm-hmm. You're playing kickball somewhere. You're having a great time. You know. I think we're all connected in a way. And, That's true. And it's nice. That's been a really great sort of result of doing this writing. Is I've connected with a lot of people in different countries, in different states, in you know, uh, even in the same. S- city uh and yeah. been able to really figure out what's going on not just in new york but this is also you know a lot of people i'm included in this especially when i was doing gallery stuff mm-hmm. i didn't really know how to talk about anything and i needed somebody and i wrote some of my own little blurbs i look mm-hmm. back on them i'm just terrified um but i've always was you know just bringing them to everybody at the coffee shop does this sound stupid is this in- totally insane you know and it was mm-hmm. you know a lot of i I don't want to speak for anybody else, but as a gallery artist, I needed I needed help. Yeah. You know, I needed um, my 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 background's not really words in that manner. Of course. Well, yeah. also being a visual artist is not it's not your job necessarily. There's crossover when some people love getting their hands and everything. Yeah. And I also have this problem where I always take on projects that involve tools and things that I'd never used before. Mm-hmm. I need to stop doing that. Okay. But I'm doing it like with this podcast. I'm always doing stuff like that. Right. But I'm not always wishing I was in other disciplines. Yeah. I'm not always like I might want to try to do something else, but I'm wildly aware that all the disciplines are not my home. Yeah. For me personally. Know your lane. I think that's a mistake that's been made too with even writers that then pivot to making a painting or something after the fact. That's a weird jump for me a lot of the times because I don't know. It makes more sense for me. I think some of the best, some of my favorite writers who write about art are artists. Like Mm -hmm. I love David Sally. I think he's a fantastic writer. Amy Silman, Mm -hmm. um, Ija Coter, uh, and etc um i read a lot of like biographies autobiographies by artists and about artists and i feel like you're learning a lot i was always reading that stuff to find friends (laughs) what do you mean by that sad way well i was i'm an i don't want to say was i'm an isolated individual because of maybe mental health challenges okay nobody knows but um a lot of times I read that stuff or I want to read it because I think I've found a friend in history or in poetry or something. I think that's fucking bizarre. No, I think that's kind of, I I feel that way. I think about stuff like that. I remember things that I've read in fictions. I'm a big, I'm a big modern lit guy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember things I've read in biography and in fiction as if they happen to my friends sometimes. Interesting. And I can sometimes Almost like you're thinking of a friend walking down the street. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking, I'm walking down the street thinking, man, I wish E.E. E. Cummings didn't have to drown his dog. That whole thing was fucked up. I feel bad for him. Well, E.E. E. Cummings has passed a long time ago. Right. He doesn't care anymore. He made a lot of money off that story. 
Well, that's it's why it's so different. sad when you finish, like, you know, you finish something like a book or something. You're like, oh, my You God. mourn a book. Yeah, well, totally. Have you ever felt like like an author where you wish you could go back and read it all again or th- there will never be another one? I think that I'll think time about T.H. Lawrence. Interesting. Ah. That I can, when I was in, I was in New Mexico this summer and it was yeah. almost a mourning thing. You're and like, I did, I went to Taos. I didn't go to D.H. Lawrence's house because I felt like I had no business there. <gasps> it was this weird feeling I had because I was like, I went into the local bookstore and I was going to buy a D.H. Lawrence that I've already read. And then I was going to go out there and I was going to read some of it there. And then I started thinking, like, what am I doing? It's performative nonsense. I don't want to read it. I want to experience it again, but I can't. Right. And so I'm not going to double read it as some kind of performative uh, meditation scenario. I also always think about we only have so much time to read. I have a hard time read reading yeah. b- a book. Don't ever, don't ever do the math on that. Right? <laughs> okay. you know, no, I w- don't ever do the math on how many books you could possibly read no. now, because you'll start thinking, oh, I, well, then there's not enough time. You know? Well, my you ever thought about that? Oh, I hate to get a little mortal oh. with you guys. <laughs> no, you probably have to pick and choose from here on out. You're adults now. The clock's ticking. You know? No, I mean, no, I. There's only so much time in the world. I mean, I think about that all the time, not just about reading, but what we're able to accomplish and do. Do you ever think about sunrises and sunsets and stuff like that? Like, um, how many have you seen this year? Wow. When I start thinking stuff like that, not not for all time, (laughs) but when I start thinking stuff like that, then I feel like a piece of shit. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I could have seen at least one sunrise this calendar year. I try not to see the sunrise because I feel like whenever I've seen the sunrise, it means I'm really fucked up. Oh, really? Yeah. Like so I'm out from the night before. So that was a guilty pleasure attached to it. it not a pleasure, just guilt. <laughs> it feels like disgust in my... You should stop worrying about that and be like, how many 4 p.m. have well, I some, seen? Yeah, right. yeah. That's, you know what? I was just going to say so something like that. Many. Maybe mm-hmm. sunrises aren't that important. <laughs> what do I know? I like Sunsets, though. Well, I like I like them both because of the witching hour. Mm-hmm. I like the witching hours of both times. It's hard in the city sometimes. I can see there's a really good one happening, and I don't have a good access point. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. like that building is really nice and orange, and I bet if I could just get to the water, you I would totally. be like really rewarded. But I can't. You ever try to chase it? Like you're like, oh, the sunrise, the sunset's gonna be pretty cool. I should go over to the west side. Let's go through the park. Oh wait, I gotta get a hot dog. You missed it. It's over. <laughs> it's over now. Yeah, you always miss it. Yeah. But I I was just thinking like I just think. I do think so many artists are actually really good writers. And I was just mm-hmm. talking to a really good friend of mine about this. Like, it's just like you have this like kind of crazy brain that can observe and process the world. It doesn't necessarily translate to writing though. And I think sometimes people are like trying too mm-hmm. hard, you know, there's this like, Oh, I have welcome to, to my podcast. I have to sound really. Well, whenever I read <laughs> like a really good, like, essay by an artist who's also a writer i feel like i'm finding out these secrets i'm not supposed to know about because i i've tried painting i've tried making sculptures i absolutely know it's not my lane no a painter who can write about and communicate their process Mm -hmm. is like a prisoner who can tell you what that was like a lot of prisoners can't really explain to you what 20 years worth of prison feels like i had a dream the other night that i me and my mom got sentenced to 16 years in prison and i thought they just said you don't 16 weeks it, right. <laughs> and i was like devastated but then somehow i like warped time so i went back and undid it was we were accomplices in a crime but yeah. we were like being held captive during a <laughs> that's joy fun ride. though don't your mom's your accomplice yeah and See? i text her the next day i was like i had a dream we went to jail for 16 years and it was so sad <laughs> right. and she was like don't worry that's probably not gonna happen wow. Um, I had a friend tell me the other day that I'm the kind of person who could probably be pretty happy in a small cell because I don't leave my house a lot. 
Um, the Maya, uh, I don't know about you guys, but where I live in New York might as well be a prison cell. But I live in a tiny room in Nolita, yeah. Oh, do you? Yeah. yeah. I live a little more uptown. You know, I live in the East 80s. Um, oh, my God. I love it over there. It's okay. I mean, I'm in, I'm in the most inexpensive area you could imagine over there, you know, pre-war style. It's a tiny little box in the sky, mm-hmm. um, you know, but th- we're doing our best here in the city. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to you. Well, look, this doesn't last forever. I know it's heaven. It doesn't last forever. So I want to ask you a question mm-hmm. about the Frog Show. Yeah. And talk about some people there that I really thought were awesome. Yeah. But you're going to have to help me with some names. Okay. Okay. Um, really the things, I, I don't want to just, I, I don't want the audience to know which things I really liked. I think a lot of cool people were there. Mm-hmm. I want to shout out everything I love immediately. Yeah. Um, Ava, that, help me with this. Ava Berenson? Ava Berenson. Ava Berenson. Yeah. That's a pretty big name for mm-hmm. the show. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. I love her stuff. I know. She's great. Um, Daniel Woods, Dana Woods Zinser? Yeah. That was the Knicks versus the Lakers, that painting. You don't have to remember. And, um, I liked that before I even knew what the title was. And don't call me a dude. I liked that before the, before I even knew what the title was, you know? You see this list of names? That's crazy. That is not the list of names at your show. Okay. Don't think I got a list in front of me right now. Okay. We'll just do a couple more. Um, Daniel Bacato. Yeah. I That's love the pink Daniel. frog. Yeah. That one's really cool. Yeah. I like that. Um, the big fraternal order one was done by Joshua Miller. Oh my God. Yeah. Where's that now? Do you happen to know? Yes. It was. It's with a collector. It's with a collector. Okay. Um, it's out of the. It's out of the game for now. That's fine. That's that was fine. a hard one. I'll be back. That was truly a hard painting. That was like. I feel like that painting, I grew a lot from having worked with it because it was. There's a lot going on there. There's a lot going on there. It was yeah. really, really dark. It was a really fucked up painting, and it was pol- there was this political. Is what I love. Yeah, there were political sort of under underpinnings. A little there. bit. A little bit. I don't think the show really was like that. No, but I, it was an important aspect because you say the word frog. Yeah. And a millennial goes crazy. You could, the millennials don't like it. Right. You know what I mean. Uh, there's this, there's a little bit of separation going on where, if you're if you're what was all called a geriatric millennial, oh. everybody stop doing that to me. Um, or if you were a lot younger than that, if you don't even identify as a millennial, you're yeah. not a millennial. You care less about the whole frog thing. On mm-hmm. one side, it's funny, and on the other side, nobody really cares anymore. Hmm. Then in the middle, you got the millennials, and they're still. They, do you want to check in on this? They got something still about the frog stuff, you know. Sometimes I tell people, yeah, I posted a frog once and all the millennials boo me out of the bar. Get out of here with a frog. I'm like, it's been a long time ago. It's a long time ago, guys. You know. But your show was not about that. The Dan- the Joshua Miller kind of put some of that in there. Mm-hmm. Well, it was important for me because the sort of impulse behind the frog show was it wasn't entirely conceptually rigorous. I didn't want it to be this didactic. Right. And there were some it, things in there. There were some things in there. Maybe um, some some people submitted some things that weren't necessarily from the moment, and they weren't necessarily um, involved, like Joshua Miller's painting mm-hmm. in the subject. Can yeah. you talk a little bit more about the Frog Show for somebody who unluckily didn't get to see it? Like maybe some of our listeners, or maybe even me. Of course. So. Yeah. So there were twenty eight artists. Sorry. There were a lot of them, and that's why I said in the beginning, there's no way I'm, I can do them all. But. It was hard. It, that was really hard, and I was doing a lot of that al- alone and coordinating everything. Um, and so I basically just started off, some of my favorite artists throughout history have made some good, well, actually just one specific artist I can think of. Kippenberger had 
you know, a lot of frogs were popping up, especially like Fred the Frog. And, and what that did to even politically, like at one point the Pope had condemned this crucified frog. <laughs> um, but I think it was sort of the, a unifying the force. The anchor finds that very hilarious still to this day. Right. It was, it's sort of a unifying force with artists that I either knew, that I was interested in, or that were known for frog sort of output like dave um uh gil Hooley. like he was a, doing frogs yeah he was he had ceramic frogs in the late 20th century like that was his thing and actually peter who owns harkowick for my birthday gave me a gil Hooley frog which was really nice they do, the ones that stand alone yeah it's, it's like a, a bagel pedestal. yeah oh, it's, a little it's bagel. like it's a bagel and then a frog is the filling yeah um yeah 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 and and basically for that show we got um this sort of tablet that looks like a, a frieze of, of different frogs walking. And that was great. And it was cool to, to be able to bring together a lot of people from different generations and even him who's dead. Um, I like, baby. I like it being sort of like a, a, a seated dinner. Like that's the idea of like a really, for me, a successful group show is like people coming from different backgrounds, from different points in history and contributing something with some sort of unifying force. It doesn't always have to be a conceptual or a formal, but just something even energetic, I think. like. So that's what you mean when you say like not necessarily conceptually rig rigged. Yeah. Because it's like an I'm invitation to kind of jive or not. Right. Or yeah. People and I don't... Is it people first and concept second sometimes? Or, or it depends. That? Yeah. I mean, a lot of times it happens that, like... This next show I'm doing at Shoot the Lobster is The Walking Show. I don't think that's that's a working title. I'm not sold on it. But I have to pick up all the paintings by walking to the studio. And I think for a good amount of them, I'll be taking a car or the train back. But right. Don't worry, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> to keep them safe. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but walking and also the accessibility of, of – of the work having to be in New York and, and walking distance is something. And, but every artist that's going to be in the show are artists I like and that mm -hmm. I moved by. And it's, it's sort of in, at this point, curating has become a bit more intuitive than it's in the past when I was doing shows that did have maybe themes or something. Mm -hmm. um, now I'm kind of working off intuition and, yeah. and seeing you, how that you feels. You feel like you were a little, you were like a little theme heavy before you, or maybe you were just, you hadn't done it before, so you were really dialed into the theme. Yeah, well, it was yeah. like a comfort zone. Like it's easier to hide behind a theme or to to yes. use that as like a, a yeah, like looking a, into my soul, a basis. Yeah, and, and yeah. now I'm more curious and I feel more confident in what I like and and asserting that and working with artists that I I just like and I think it makes sense even from what you know I'm posting online or what I'm seeing and like what I'm reading like. I think my taste is kind is pretty cohesive mm -hmm. for the most part, um, and so reasonably so. The shows that I'm curating hopefully have some through lines that might not be explicit or even they're not calculated. I suppose is the difference. There's no, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not the calculation is bad, but maybe when you're starting out, there's a lot more blueprints to everything because you yeah, know, you know maybe you're nervous or maybe. You need to for follow an order or a structure. Yeah, it so makes you feel better, mm -hmm. especially if, if you've done it before, you've been successful, you, you think you know what the skeleton to a project is. Mm -hmm. And so that becomes like in your early days, you're always using the skeleton yeah. mm -hmm. for the project, right? Yeah, and it also is more, it's fun to write about things that aren't 
so easy to sort of categorize or to uh, pinpoint. Right. Um, so when I'm writing about shows that meander or, or I've written about shows where I didn't normally I write, I talk to the artist or I talk to the gallery. Um, but I've had shows where I haven't been able to talk to the artist and I have to really rely on my intuition too and trust that I'm doing them justice and also making a good piece of, uh, literature at the same time. Yeah. And one of those shows I was writing for this artist who didn't speak English. So there was no real even way a to lot of communication. There. But then I ended up being in LA for this show after it had opened and I went and visited the space and then I ended up being at a restaurant where him and the gallerist and a few of actually our mutual friends were eating. And I saw like a friend like from, you know, he was in the other room and I saw him and I was like, what the, and I walked over and then I saw they were all eating and stuff. And then this artist was like, he couldn't really speak fully, you know, but yeah. he was talking through the gallerist and he was sort of deciphering and he was like, the, thank you. Like I w had it translated to French and, That's and awesome. so that was really, really nice. Cause I think when you're writing, it's largely in like a vacuum and you're sort of dealing with yourself a lot and to have that specifically connect with the artist that you have been thinking about for so many hours. Yeah, totally. Such a if, treat. If they didn't like it, that would be a sad occasion. Yeah, and I'm so open to editing, and that's a part of the process as well. Is it ever weird for you when you make something that you give to somebody? Mm -hmm. You don't know really where it goes after that. Like you, you do a translate, you do something for him, and then he translates it somewhere else. That's the strangest. Now it's a guy. Isn't that weird? It's weird. When things get translated, I'm like the last two shows. I wrote for are both being translated. Uh, I think, I think both of them are being translated into Chinese. I have no idea how that's going to read. I know uh, a girl who goes, does costume designing, and sometimes these costumes find themselves overseas. Yeah, and she's always thinking to herself, "What do they look like? Who's mm -hmm. there to like? What's happening now? Yeah, and they'll never see it. I'm not there. Yeah, kind of weird thing. Well, it's, I kind of like the idea that energy lives without you. Kind yeah, of. exactly. Like somehow. You know, you know, whatever I've written is sort of an accompaniment to the show. It's not yeah. the show. So yeah, yeah. reasonably you have a lived experience with the show. But right. it's exciting to think that perhaps people can have the same experience with my writing that I maybe had when I was growing up trying to figure out what art was doing for me by seeing the show and then reading something that right. ignited something in me. Do you think that these translators are also looking at the art when they're doing your translation? Hopefully. Yeah. They're and better. I trust. <laughs> it better be. I trust everybody. Right. Yeah. You should put it in your contract that um, everything you write has to, at some point during the show, be broadcast into the gallery. Oh my god. <laughs> ding, ding, no. Ding. Oh my god. Nightmare. Let me get. Let me get through the frog show a little bit. Now, right. now I have to look back at my list. I am gonna look at a list now. I'm sorry, everybody. All good. But um, another one that I liked from the frog show at Real Pain, which is Harkowick. Uh huh. Um, Michelle or Shelley, the yeah. crouching frog. Yeah. I like that one. You're gonna have to help me with this name. It's Zoe Agrias. Zoe Argures. Argures. Yeah. I was so close. I'm not sure if I was able to find her on the internet. Zoe, if you're out there, where are you? I can't find you on the internet. Um, but I did like the paintings. One of them is um, the albino frog. Mm -hmm. The other one's the orange one with the baby. Mm -hmm. Where are these paintings now? 
I don't know where those ones oh, went. I, I think feel she, that in my heart right now. Zoe, are you out there? Where are these paintings? I know her well. Yeah. You? Yeah. Well, you let her know. You never know what could happen when I find out. Susan Classen Sullivan. Oh my God. Did the sculpt a collapsed corpse sculpture? I checked out a lot of her stuff, and I love her stuff. She's amazing. She's I. Cool. She's so. Come kind. on the pod, Susan. She's incredible. Her son is also an artist, Nick Sullivan. Oh, okay. He makes That's these a um, family there. He makes these like stoves, these old stoves. He actually was in a show at Shoot the Lobster, not one I curated, but oh really? I've been in one. Um, Susan's amazing. She's a teacher, I believe, as well, yeah. and she's. Her work is so special. Filipinga actually, I think, showed her before I even knew really? about her work. Yeah. Both Philip and Susan are very serious people. They might not appreciate the comedy aspect. Come on the show, guys. <laughs> It'll be fine. Um, I, I don't know who else I have to mention. I like Yasmin's yeah. um, uh, Funs Over sculpture. She just did something else, too. In Estrella. Another show at, uh, oh, and she had a piece in the last group show that was curated at shoot the lobster That's again something that i did not that do you but did not do that no okay. this is the first show the show that's up right now is the first show that i'm involved with okay mm -hmm. i'm not i'm jumping ahead of myself here but okay. i think she was in the show that Liv was in it yes is my right about yes that? she was <laughs> no, you're right okay let's do a little game show stuff i think we're gonna wrap it up here okay this is after all a game show i want to ask you here at the end of this i'm going to give you three names from the frog show at real pain and I want you to guess which one of these people I've had a romantic DM relationship with has gone on for a very long time. Oh, my God. You're going to reveal this? Yeah, fuck yeah. Let's do radio here, baby. <laughs> the three. All right. You ready? We got. Well, let's get some game show uh, music running. Uh, there's nobody at the board. Okay. Who cares? WVFP presents Nobody at the Board. <laughs> For this game show section, which one of these artists from Riley's Real Pain Frog Show from 2001 do I have an online romantic DM relationship with? Is it number one? <laughs> Justine Newberger. Do you remember her? Do you know her? Oh, I know her well, yeah. She's a wonderful artist. Um, did you know her before the art forum? Before I mean, she's blown up quite a bit. Yeah, I, I saw her show at 15 Orient, like oh, 2018. Was it Justine Nuremberger? Was it Alex Burns? Or did I have a long... Romantic DM relationship with Jack Lawler. Which one of these people from your 2021 frog show, Real Pain, do you think I've had a long Instagram relationship with? Oh, my God. Well, Alex Burns is one of my best friends, so I feel like I would have known he him. He might have told you. Who knows? He never mentioned it. Do you know what? Well, sometimes with these Jack secret, Waller, with that, some of these secret relationships on the internet, nobody but you knows. You know Jack? Yeah. You do not. Yes, I do. That's it. Fun's over. The answer is Jack Lawler. <laughs> I was going to say it's probably Jack. Jack, come on the show, baby. You he know would. Oh, my God. He totally oh, he would. He would. We're going to come on and we're going to talk about Riley's comment, Jack, that you so would come on the show. We've had a long, long history. And baby, I've loved it. Jack, do you remember me? Oh. Heather? Heather wants to know, Jack. Oh, my God. You know, if I get Jack on the show, Jack, uh, Heather might come back on the yeah. show, too. That would be so fun to see. Oh, Jack what? Really? <laughs> Wait a second. Now I've got some vig here. I got some juice here. Okay. Yeah. So, Jack, look, you got friends here, baby. Everybody's on here. I don't think Jack would say no anyway, but, you know, we're just fooling around a little bit. But Jack knows I love him. Come on the show. And uh, that's it. Okay, Thanks great. for coming, Riley. Thank you for Thanks having for me. Thanks for braving this. 
Thank you for being one of the first people to say yes, even though you're on the you're on the tail end. <gasps> I of had this. to figure out who you are. You, well, yeah, now you know you can go ever tell everybody. Don't go on the show. He's an idiot. It doesn't matter. It's, don't go there. And uh, <laughs> I would never. I'm nice. Thank you very much for coming. Let me so get nice. a big round of applause for Riley Davidson, New York City curator, legendary downtown personality in her own right, and a collector of amazing people. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming. Well, it's been great. Thank you for having me. Sit. Great. Yes.